chapter, verses 28, 29, and 30. We'll read, read not responsibly, but rather in unison this morning, since we only have three verses. As always, in respect to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to stand once again, I invite you to stand. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and reading in unison. Ready? Begin. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May God his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time of for the Christian time of refreshment, this time of worship, this time of rest. I pray that you might speak to our hearts this morning on this Labor Day weekend as we're beginning of a new week. Lord, do a work of grace in our hearts and lives. May we understand this passage of Scripture. May it be applied to our hearts and lives. And as always, Lord, I pray for those who know not Christ as their Savior, never been born again. Speak, Holy Spirit of God, as only you can do to their heart. Save those who need to be saved even this day. Man or woman, boy or girl, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 11, a lot of things I'd like to say this morning, but uh, I want to begin by saying that uh, I want you to relax. So everybody take a deep breath. Ready? (gasps) We're here to worship. We're here to rest. We're here to enjoy and uh, feast on the Word of God. This wonderful passage of Scripture I got to tell you, and some of you veterans will appreciate this, some of you that uh, are new to the church or whatever, you won't be able to understand as much, but Don Prigitano uh, came in this morning, surprised me, I had no idea, he walked into office about 7.30 this morning, and uh, Don was our longtime 815 usher for, uh, in the early service for many, many years, they moved to New Hampshire, Don and Sue did, of course, about three years ago now. And it shocked me when he walked in the door. And I always used to apologize to Don because he always come in about 7.30, 7.20. And it's my highest stress time of the entire week is before the morning service. There's always 101 things to be done. And uh, temperature, right, control, the churchman has got to be perfect. Everything's baptism, sinks got to be filled up. All the things that need to be done. Of course, the message preparation, bulletins, and yada, yada, yada. I could go on and on. And the phone's ringing and so forth. And so there's a lot of things that happen. And, uh, and Don always comes in. I said, Don, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm rushing here. And, and he understands. Pastor, Pastor, I get it. And it's really ironic that he would come in this morning because I'm preaching on rest this morning and enjoyment and not stress. And with that said, I want you to look at our text once again. Jesus, some of the most stinging words of Jesus in his preaching were in the previous verses of this chapter. We won't take time to look at it, but he has some uh, judgments and some serious condemnation for the religious crowd, the, i.e. the scribes, the Pharisees. But he ends with these words, and uh, I want you to notice it when we, verse 28. In fact, they're so, so wonderful, I would encourage you to commit them to memory. And so let's read them together one more time. Ready? Verse 28 through 30. Ready? Here we go. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What a great passage of Scripture. And I, on Monday, I committed to, in my mind here, I, I was I thought of this text here, and I said, I'm going to preach on Matthew 11:28 28 to 30 on Labor Day 
this rest weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, in way of introduction, of course, uh, it was uh, for you folks that are as old as I am or maybe just a little bit younger, but if you're 40 or younger, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But there was this guy on the radio all over America by the name of Paul Harvey. And I think he lived to be almost 100 years of age. I think he was a Christian. I don't know about that. But he always had these long dissertations, these long, he was, of course, a radio personality. I think 60-some years he was on radio. And he always ended and he says, and now for the rest of the story. And I want to deal with this subject of the, the rest of the story this morning. And as a child of God, I am too blessed to be stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Yet, you say, preacher, be real. Okay, I'll be real. I still get stressed. And maybe, uh, you know, I'm one of those high-strung people from time to time. I try not to show it, but I, I get stressed. I get worked up. Um, some of my worst times of the day are in the middle of the night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up, and uh, I start thinking of all the things I got to do this, the, the, throughout the day, and I start calculating in my mind, and I fall asleep, and I start dreaming about them. It's a terrible thing. It just really is, but uh, I, I get all stressed out, and it's like, you know, I, I finally get up, and I, you know, get in the shower, and get going, and it says, okay, attack, because I got so many things to do, and I'm not going to get it all done in time, and I stress myself out. But I want you to remember that the only difference between blessed and stressed is rest that's found exclusively in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to give you this morning an unrefusable offer. Jesus' unrefusable offer, really in four words, basic four words, this wonderful three-verse text. I want you to notice, first of all, something. Jesus gives us something to do. Notice what he says to begin with. He says, come unto me. Come unto me. Really two things, really. We'll dissect those three words. So let's start off with the word come. That's a Jesus word. It's the word he used often. It's a New Testament word. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart and into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Pastor Parmar in the class this morning was talking about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Now that he was, uh, he got tired like we got tired. He got hungry like we got hungry, get hungry. And uh, he, uh, he knew that his disciples were, were the same, of course, and they were given to human com- uh, needs and so forth. So he said, come ye apart and rest a while. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, use that word come again, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When Jesus, and we were in Jordan, the city of Jordan in, in Israel uh, three years ago when we got to visit Israel, and they have the sycamore tree, supposedly the same sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed. I doubt it, but anyhow, back to the story. And they got one that uh, you can give money to and you know, so forth in uh, the tourist trap, you know. But anyhow, uh, Zacchaeus was up in that tree, and Jesus looked up in the tree and said, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, and he said, come, or Peter asked the question. Uh, he was out on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of the storm. He's in the boat, of course, and he saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter said, Lord, bid me to come, and the Lord said one word, come. Just come. A man, a few words. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. But ye... But go ye and learn what meaneth what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, Jesus said, for I am not come, 
I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hey, that gives me hope. Amen. He comes to call sinners to repentance. And then in the last chapter of Holy Writ, Revelation 22 and verse number 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I mean, what, a, what an invitation. Jesus says, come. He says, come unto me. I want you to think about that. Un- unbelievably, this unrefusable offer, unbelievably many millions, and yes, maybe billions, refuse this offer. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 40, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus says, come all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And yet millions refuse to the admonition to come. And so he says, he says, you want to do something? And religion is all about doing, by the way. Christianity is all about done. Jesus paid it all. But religion is always about doing something. So you want something to do? Jesus says, okay, I'll give you something to do. You come. You come, but don't just come to anybody or anything or anyone. You come unto me. Now I want you to notice that where we come to. We come unto him. The Bible says, and who comes, notice that there's no qualifiers. He says, come unto me. Then notice the next word in verse 28. All. Last time I checked, all means all. He says, come unto me, all ye that are proud. I think of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, the proud Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night, probably too afraid to come to him by day. Jesus said, Nicodemus, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So he says to the proud, come. He says to the humble, you come. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He says to the wicked, I was reading in Isaiah, several times in Isaiah this last week I was reading, and the Bible says, there is no rest for the wicked, saith the Lord. He says to the wicked, you come. And there's, there's healing. He says to the sinner, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He says to the sinners, you come. He says to the saint, you come. He says to the, uh, most of you know I had my birthday last week, and most of you showered me with so many, I got showered with so many gifts, and it was one of those big birthdays. By the way, I want you to start planning for 20 years out, okay? 20 years out, I want a big birthday party. Don't forget that, okay? When I hit my 20, my 80 years old, okay? So you get it, start marking it down on your calendar now, if you would, please. So, but uh, he says, come unto all you old people. I, 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 he, he, I just popped in my head. I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I've been waiting for years to do this. I went to Dunkin' Donuts this morning at 4.30 in the morning, my, Saturday, my Sunday morning ritual, and I got my coffee and my donut for 10% off, and all God's people said, I'm a senior citizen now. Amen. Well, the Dunkin' Donuts is 60, I want you to know it. So I got my 40% off, my 40 cents off, rather. So he, he comes to the old person. He says, he says, he calls all old people, he calls young people. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his side, rich, poor, bond or free, man, woman, boy or girl. Jesus says, come unto me. And so he gives us something to do. He says, come unto me. No qualifier. And who, who are we to coming to, by the way? Come unto who? Come unto him. That means we don't need to come unto philosophy. You know, some people are lovers of different philosophies and isms of life. Some people, he didn't say come unto psychology. They'll straighten you out. You know there's over 2,000 plus schools of psychology. Which school of psychology are you going to follow? Come into psychology, Freudian psychology, Skinner psychology, 
Pavlovian psychology, uh, Phil, Dr. Phil psychology, who are you going to come to? No, he didn't say come to psychology. He didn't say come to education. Our kids are off at college um, and several new ones, of course, and I'm all for education. But God didn't say, you come unto me, come unto education and you'll receive deliverance. Uh, I was thinking that phrase, uh, no, we got several teachers in the room. We love teachers. I love teachers, don't misunderstand me. But, you know, God education, thank a teacher, this bumper sticker. God freedom, thank a soldier, bumper sticker. But you've got education, you've got freedom, thank the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Son therefore make you free, you should be free indeed. So we have, we don't come unto philosophy or psychology or education. We don't even come to religion. A lot of people think, well, one religion is as good as another. Uh, whether it's Dr. Phil or, but I heard this last week, Oprah's, somebody, is that true? Oprah's running for, wants to run for president. I don't know if that's, a, that's true or not. Go to Oprah for, for coming to Oprah and she'll help you. Go to your doctor, go to your shrink, go to your, pardon me, go, no, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. So he gives us something to do, come unto me. But then I want you to notice, by the way, one more thing before we move forward. And it's come unto me, come now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so come unto me, Jesus said, an unrefusable offer. How can you refuse that, to come unto the King of kings and Lord of lords? But he didn't stop there. He said, come unto me. And notice what it says back to verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Notice, secondly, something to take. You want to do something? Come to him. You, you want to go a little farther? Something to take. Take his yoke. Maybe one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. We, were, uh, I, we had to go to Goshen yesterday. I forgot what was taking place in Goshen. Uh, many of you already know what I'm talking about already. But we left about after men's prayer time at 9 o'clock. We had to go pick up our church bus at the JW Automotive or Tractor, whatever it's called there, and beyond the green, most of you know what I'm talking about. The rotary, rather. And uh, I got up to the rotary, and I realized, oh, I now know what's going on. It's the Goshen Fair, of course. I've never been to the Goshen Fair in all these 33 years. I'm planning on going next year, and I'm going to go every 35 years thereafter. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, I, I love the Goshen Fair. I'm sure it's great. I just haven't been there yet. But uh, I used to go to the, I was in Ashtabula County, Ohio, last week for one day, just on Wednesday, Thursday. I'll reference it a little bit more in the message in just a minute, Lord willing. But I used to go to the Asheville County Fair every year as a kid because that was the thing to do. It was a week-long fair during the whole week, week long. And uh, I remember going to the horse pools. Remember the horse pools? I like, now I don't know. I, sh- I should have looked this up on the internet. I'm not, don't quote me. Some of you can correct me after the service of what exactly the, the poundage is. But they had those draft horses and uh, those Belgian horses and those Clydesdales or whatever they have. They're mostly, I think, Belgian horses. And they, you know, they had the, those tons of weight they put on the back of a sled. They see how far those horses can pull. I think a good tra- draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds. Don't quote me on that. Find, find it out and correct me after the service, would you please? I think it's about 8,000 pounds. But you put two draft horses of the same breed together, and those same two draft horses can pull something in the neighborhood of twenty to 22,000 pounds. They can pull a time and a half more. They call it synergy. Two working together. Jesus makes the 
the analogy of my yoke is easy. He says, yoke up with me. Ken Dayfield, this is a lame illustration, but I'm going to use it anyhow. Ken, you know, Mr. Rock of a man, I'll tell you, 20 years ago, Ken and I and uh, Pastor Gill and nine of us guys, we took a trip to uh, Mount Katahdin in northern Maine. That's the end of the, uh, Texas been there, Texas climbed that. We, this is the last mile of the Appalachian Mountain chain. It's, they call it the knife edge. And uh, there was nine of us that started, four of us that finished the knife edge. It was me and Ken and Pastor Gil Tartaglino and a guy named Dave. And Ken remember this very well. And we were walking, and it's 5,280 feet. It's one mile high. And there's a couple places where it's a 2,000-foot drop-off. Literally, you're on a ledge about this wide. And I, no, I wasn't doing this. I was actually crawling, but anyhow. <laughs> and, but we got to a place in the, on the knife edge, no joke, where there's a little ledge about this big, and there's a rock wall behind you, of course. You've got to go like this, and one step forward, and you're dead. And uh, so we're walking about, like, like, but I had a backpack on. We all had backpacks. Well, backpacks, you know, you, so you take your backpack off. Now, we've been tra- traveling for several, several miles all the way up the hill mountain. It's now in the afternoon. We're, I'm dog tired. Ken's older than I am. But he was in far more better shape. He still probably is, obviously. But anyhow, back to the story. So uh, Ken realized I was having some serious struggles. He said, preacher, give me that. And he took my knapsack. And here's Ken with both backpacks going across. the. And I just got to follow all by myself right across. <laughs> I know, silly illustration, but he bore my burden. You know, I think about it when we yoke up with Jesus. You know, we think, remember the bumper sticker? God is my co-pilot? No, God is my pilot. You know, truth be told, we just go along for the ride. Yoke up with him. He's the stronger, no, uh, no uh, uh, blasphemy or wrong disrespect to be made, but he's the stronger horse or stronger ox in the, the yoke, I promise you. And he says, yoke up with me. Take my yoke. And matter of fact, it's, take my yoke. It's, first of all, this Marty Schott slang, it's smart. It's smart to take, learn of me, Jesus said. Learn of him. The smartest, most intelligent thing you can do. The greatest education. The greatest truth. The greatest knowledge. The greatest satisfaction. The greatest cause. The greatest attainment. The greatest, most important goal of your earthly existence is to learn of him. Oh, go to college for four years and then get your master's and your MBA or get your MDiv or get your PhD or get your doctorate. Get 25 years of education. Nothing wrong with that. But before you get all that, you have to exempt all of that. Learn of him. Learn of him. Take his yoke. It's a smart, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's smart to take his yoke, to yoke up with him. It's not only smart, but he says in the text, for my yoke is what? Can you help me out? Easy. My yoke is easy. And take, it's easy. You know, sometimes we, we think that serving God is drudgery. We have a woe is me complex as Christians. I got to be careful here. I'll be very elusive. You can fill in the blanks on your own. But I think there's certain groups of people that in the work world, you're afraid to fire them or you're afraid not to hire them. You're afraid to fire them. You're afraid not to promote them. You're afraid to demote them. I don't think Christians, by and large, are in that group. 
I think there's some mild persecution with true Christianity. Doesn't jive well with the, the office Christmas party or what have you. And doesn't jive well with the, 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 the crowd at night and so forth and so on. You know, I'll let you fill in the blanks. And we say we're persecuted. Folks, we don't have it rough at all. We're blessed. And I want you to know that it's not a drudgery, but a delight. It's a delight to yoke up with Jesus. Psalm 40 and verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. We're infinitely better. Uh, it's infinitely better to be in the center of God's will than anywhere else without it. It's a delight to do the work, the, yoke, the work of God. It's a delight. It's a joy. I, many of you know I, we had a, we had a we had a celebration Sunday night after the service, and at about eight thirty, I got in my car and drove over to Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, actually Scranton, the north of there, in a little town called Hop Meadow, and uh, my dear pastor friend Steve Baker, who got there about midnight, all day Monday and Tuesday, or half day Monday, all day Tuesday and Wednesday morning, we did some work there. They had a flood. Uh, someday I'll have to tell you about it. A flood in their church just literally ripped out about six or eight feet of earth on both sides of the church, filled the basement up with four foot of mud and water. Unbelievable. It was on the headline news at 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. at news, their church. It was incredible. But anyhow, uh, one Wednesday, on, uh, I took off and drove the six more hours to my northeast Ohio to where my mom and dad are. And uh, many of you know, of course, my dad's pushing 82 now. He just had his kidney out. And he used to be, he was a carpenter all his life, and he lived in a log cabin type house. And there was, uh, I got there, I didn't even think about it, and Wednesday, Thursday morning, I woke up, and, and they had a window that wasn't trimmed out, and he's got his own uh, wood shop and so forth, and, and then they got, a, they, got a, they got a little elevator in their house. They live on the second floor. They got an elevator, and they needed a little work in an elevator, and needed some work on the other, well, some carpentry work, and I just, the light bulb clicked. I had all my tools in my back of my, my, back of my trunk, and so I said, Dad, I'm going to trim out that window for you. Oh, you don't have to do that. I said, no, it's been sitting there for years. It hasn't been trimmed out. I need to finish, I'll finish it in no time at all. And so I, I trimmed the window out, and I did some work on the, on the, the outside of the house and fixed uh, something in the elevator. And before you knew it, it was 3, almost 4 p.m. on Thursday. And uh, there was, oh, thank you, thanks, thank you so much. And the, oh, Martin, my mom, don't you call me anything you want to. Just don't call me Martin John, please. And my, that's my mom's name for me. Martin John. I'm still Martin John at 60 years old, but anyhow. Martin John, thank you so much. You know, you worked so hard. It was sweat and it was a little bit warm. You know, and she said, oh, you want some water? Your mom's still mom, like an eight, seven-year-old kid for sure. But uh, it wa- I want, here's the point. I worked all day. It wasn't, a wor- it wasn't work at all. It was a delight. It was enjoyable. Jesus said, I want something for you to take. I, I got something for you to take. I want you to take my yoke because my yoke, it's a smart thing to do. It's easy. And then he said, thirdly, and my burden is light. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I saw my 81-year-old dad with his walker now. He's totally gray now. And uh, I, said, I said to myself, that's what I'm going to be looking like when I'm 80, 81. He's got a whole mom, mom, he's got moms by the shoulder and they won't listen to this message. They don't know how to get on the internet, so it's a good thing. But so I tattle on them, and uh, I, and he's kind of hobbling wherever it goes. I said, "That's me," 
So a few more years, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I got his genes in me. But it, it was uh, in his light affliction, most of you know, dad got saved about two years ago now, a year and a half ago. And uh, his light affliction is just for a moment. And there's a far more eternal weight of glory for every child of God soon, those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus says, in this wonderful passage of Scripture, he says, come unto me, something to do. He says, he says, he gives us something to take. He says, take my yoke. And then he says these words once more, once more as we look at the verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, take your burden off and you take, take on my yoke, take on my burden. Something to leave. Leave your burden Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Get rid of the religion or of the cloak of or the yoke of religion, rather. Jesus, I mentioned in the earlier verses of Scripture, if you just glance at him, he had some stinging words of serious condemnation and judgment to the religious crowd. He spoke to the religious Pharisee of the day in Matthew 23 and verse number four, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not, move, will not move with one of their fingers. I remember going to Montreal, Canada, and went to a certain church, and there was a young lady on her knees. The church had 500 steps, no joke, 500. And she was on her knees on step number 30, or thereabouts, and she was praying we went and toured the church for an hour and a half. We got out, and she was, made it about four more steps, five more steps. She had a modest dress on, but I think her knees were on the pavement. I said, her knees got to be bloody. Her knees got to be sore. It was interesting. I saw her on her knees there. I didn't see any of the, the clergy on their knees there, but I did see her. Jesus said, and the apostle Paul said in Acts 15, verse 10, now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? You know, people think that our church, like every other church, many people think that we're all about religion. But Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus, the song says, paid it all. Hebrews says there is a rest for the people of God. And so... Some, something to leave, leave your burden, get rid of your religious yoke, get rid of your worldly yoke. Proverbs 13, 15, one verse, half, in fact, a half a verse. The Bible says, but the way of transgressors is hard. I'll be elusive, but I'm thinking of two men right now, two males. They've had very hard lives because they didn't come unto the Lord. Very hard lives including jail, including disabilities, including tragedy in their life. And it's ongoing. It's even present. I'm surprised that they're still alive. They took the worldly yoke. They said, this is the way to go. They bought the lie. Go for all the guts that you can get. You only go around once in life, the commercial said. So go for all the guts that you can get. You remember. 
It's interesting that people want, they, they want the, the fun of the world, but they get the, the tragedy that the world offers. I was thinking that Robin, Robin Williams, is that, uh, yeah, Good Morning Vietnam? Thank you. Pardon me, Mrs. Doubtfire. Miss, miss, Mr. Happy, Mr. Millionaire, Mr. Hollywood. I would say from the world's perspective, he had it all. Fame, riches, everything. But he ended his life. It reminds me of the Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, say the preacher, all is vanity. You see, get rid of the worldly yoke. Get rid of the religious yoke. Thirdly, take something to leave. Leave or take your burden to the cross and leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Get rid of your yoke of sin. In Psalm 32 and verses 1 through 5, Blessed or happy is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man who unto the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. The psalmist said in David's penitential psalm, this is one of David's two penitential psalms after he sinned greatly. Many of you know the story. He says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through, through my roaring all the day. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Think about that, he said. David, he said that when he was in sin and he had to confess sin, he was in misery. He was like in a spiritual desert, dry and, and depressed and discouraged and in doubt and in fear and all the rest. Get rid of your sin, your, your yoke of sin. Take, get rid of your worldly yoke. Get rid of that religious yoke and come to Jesus. The songwriter says this in regards to the yoke of sin. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. So there's something to do that's come unto me. There's something to take that's take, my, take his yoke. It's smart, it's easy, it's light. There's something to leave. Leave your burden. Give it to the Lord. Come, bring it to an altar and let it go. Let God take over. And then number four, something to find. He said, if you'll take my yoke, my burden is easy, my, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you'll take my yoke, he said, I'll give you rest. You'll find rest. You'll find rest for your souls. An absence of fear. You know, there are millions of people that have religion, but they're full of fear. I feel sorry for the brand of Christianity, and there's a large brand of this Christianity out there that says, I get to heaven by mostly Jesus and some of myself. 99% Jesus, 1% me. Faith without works is dead after all. They quote James out of context. The absence of fear. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casteth out fear. Fear hath torment. There's an absence. When we find this rest for your soul, there's the absence of fear. We're accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 6. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Something to find rest for your souls. I'm complete in Jesus Christ.
I'm his son. Been born again. Been saved. Blood bought. Blood washed. Redeemed. Justified. Sanctified. I'm his child. I'm a saint. Sanctified and sanctified. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. You see, my hope is not in myself. My hope is in the Lord. You see, there's something to find. Rest for your souls. Something, an absence of fear. But then, I left the last letter B there. An absence of, and I ask you the question this morning. What is your yoke right now that you're hanging on to that, that's, that's destroying you? Your yoke of anxiety? Worried about the future? All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden we can, he cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. Are you a hand-wringing person? Are you wonder, wondering about tomorrow? Are you wondering about the elections? Are you wondering, are you fidgeting, you're stressed out? You're upset at the per, your current state of affairs? Disgruntled, you're, you're full of anguish, you're confused, you're discontent? You're discouraged, you're down. Rest is not the absence of work, but rejuvenation, refreshment in the work. I want you to know that when he gives us rest, it's rest that is refreshing. And like I mentioned in the illustration of my mom and dad, rest that is rejuvenating, or work that's, I, I, I can't, I think I can prove this by not direct scripture, but by uh, uh, principle of scripture that I think we'll be working in heaven. God's a construction man. He's, he was the son of a carpenter, by the way, no pun intended. He created the universe. I think that it will be working in heaven without the curse, like Adam and Eve in the garden. It'll be a wonderful, and we'll be refreshed. We won't be just sitting around playing the harp all day long. No, God, God will have some work for us to do. But we, be, we have to lay off our, we have to come unto him and give him, give him uh, our burden and take his yoke upon us and learn of him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There's, a, there's supposedly a thought, uh, a, a, a thought, uh, excuse me, let me read this here. What do you call this thing here? I'm trying to think, I can't read my own writing here, but uh, there's a, there's a, we used to call them insane asylums. A, th- a thought clinic, I guess you would call it now, to find out how how much you got up here. And uh, they have a test. They had a test. They had a bathtub filled with water, and they have different clients come in. And there's a bucket, and there's a cup, and there's a spoon. And the bathtub's filled with water, and the question is asked, okay, how are you going to get this water out of this tub? And if you're really smart, you're one of the smarter folks, you're going to take the bucket and say, well, we'll take a bucket and start bailing out the water. If you're not so smart, you may take the cup. If you're missing a lot of change up here, you may take the spoon. But in all three cases, you fail because the smart person pushes the plug, pulls the plug. And you know what? We're trying to, we're trying to bail out our own problems. We're trying, Lord, I can do this. We got our little teaspoon. We got our, we're trying to get our water out of our life, our, our, our messed up life, and we're, we, we keep holding on to it. It's mine, it's mine. Jesus said, no, just joke up with me. Pull the plug, and it'll be all right. Jesus 
I hate to say this, but he couldn't have been a Baptist preacher. I'll tell you why. Because he was a man of few words. And that was supposed to be a joke for the record. <laughs> I end with this truth. There's the Lord's Prayer, 66 words in our English Bible. Archimedes' principle is 67 words. The Ten Commandments in the King James Bible is 179 words. The Gettysburg Address is 286 words. The Declaration of Independence is 1,300 words. The United States government regulations on the sale of cabbage is 26,911 words. <laughs> Jesus gives four words. He gives us something to do. He says, come unto me. He gives us something to take. He says, take my yoke. He tells us something to leave. He says, take your burden, leave your burden. And he says, he gives us something to find. Find rest for your souls. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a great Savior we serve. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the truth of these gracious words. Lord, they come at the end of uh, one of the most stinging condemnations in all of the word of God for the religious person, the person not coming unto you. But Lord, we thank you that you said, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No qualifier. You've called us to come now. You've called us to come to you. Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Lord, have your will and way in our invitation. I pray first for Christians. Lord, may we come home to the uh, place where you've called us to come. Lord, back to yoking up with you once again, leaving our burden, and Lord, taking up your, taking up your, your, your yoke, and Lord, uh, letting you, learning of you. We'll, we'll, Lord, I pray you'd bless with our Christians. Lord, bless with those who might need to know Christ as Savior. Well, thank you for it. I pray you bless down these moments of invitation. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. 163 in the hymn book. 163. Would you take your hymn?